Welcome to Choir Talks. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Greg O'Neill. I'm the worship pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, and Choir Talks is the podcast form of what I would normally do during a choir rehearsal, which is to give a devotion, just some thoughts from the Bible. And this week we're going to look at uh, Psalm 32. Sometimes when you read the Bible, try taking a paragraph of the Bible and just coming up with a, a word that represents that paragraph, that most describes that paragraph. That's what I want us to try to do today in Psalm 32, just to give you an idea of something you might could do when you read the Bible. That idea particularly works well in Psalms or maybe some of the prophets, uh, maybe the epistles, not so much narratives like the Gospels or the early books of, of history in, in the Old Testament. Today we're going to read Psalm 32, and we're going to choose a word that fits each paragraph just to help give us a road map of what Psalm 32 might really be about. So here we go. Here's the first paragraph. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Word number one, you heard it twice in there, is the word blessed. Uh, the beginning of this psalm is sort of like the way a good movie might start, where you start with the end scene, and then you work backwards to see what happened to create the end scene. So here, in his introduction, he's giving us where he's going, and he's telling us that you are blessed or happy or joyful if your sins are forgiven, uh, the one who, is, who his sins are forgiven. Um, this song is about the blessing of God's mercy. It's a song sung by someone who has experienced God's forgiveness because their life has been changed. They've been through a sinful moment in their life, and then their life has changed. In this case, this psalm is from David. And when you think about David, you think about Goliath, um, you think about various parts of his life, but one of the things you remember is Bathsheba, that, that moment of sin in his life when he commits adultery and has someone murdered to cover it up. And this psalm in particular is one of seven that we think David wrote after that experience. And so after he's gone through that terrible, sinful experience and experienced God's forgiveness, on the other side of it, he's able to say, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Um, there's three words for sin in here. The first is transgression. And the Hebrew word here means rebellion. It's, it's, I know what God wants me to do, but I'm going the opposite way. All of us do that in times of our life. And he's saying here that if you are in rebellion, you're blessed if God forgives you. And the word forgive here means lifted and carried away. It's the Old Testament picture of the sin of Israel being put on the goat that was sent out into the wilderness as a symbolic gesture of the way God sends, and sends away the sin of us. And so he's saying, blessed is the one whose rebellion is sent away, carried away. So in this first segment here, the word blessed, uh, our action is to sin, and God's action is to cover that sin, to wipe it away, to forgive us. And the result of that is our one word. It's blessed. He says in verse 2 that, that our sin is not counted against us. Um, that's, that's God's way of accounting. He takes 
what should be on our ledger, and he puts it on Christ's ledger so that it doesn't count against us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, a beautiful verse, gives that to us this way. He says, God made him, which is Jesus, God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Puts our sin on Christ's ledger, puts Christ's righteousness on our ledger and counts it for us. All right, here's paragraph number two. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through all my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the, the heat of summer. All right, here's my one word, silence. That's the one that stuck out to me. When I kept silent, if you remember the story of David and Bathsheba, he covered over his sin. He didn't want to talk about it. He um, hid his sin thinking that he would get away with it because he hid it. Have you ever done that? Because I have. When I've done something wrong, I certainly want to cover it over so that nobody knows it or hears anything about it. But even if I don't, even if I think I'm going to escape the consequences of my sin, the truth is there are consequences with me from covering it up. And that's what he finds here. He says, when I was silent, when I tried to cover it up, my bones wasted away. So instead of having the strength that he should have had as a young man, he had weakness. Um, it says he was dried up instead of having freshness, um, like he was living in doubt. And he said, your hand is heavy on me. He's really talking about the conviction, the weight of guilt, um, that even though on the outside he was getting away with something, on the inside, he, in his spirit, in his soul, he knew that he was wrong and he was weighed down with guilt and it sapped his strength. Outwardly, he was the king. He was the most powerful, envied man in all of the world. Uh, but inwardly, he was miserable. In, in this second paragraph, the word is silent, is the song of silence, and all of us probably have sung that. I, I know you can identify with that. Are you carrying that burden today? Because if you are, listen to this third paragraph. Starting with verse 5, he says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. All right, what did he do here instead of silence? He owned up to it. He acknowledged his sin. Um, I, I call this one repentance. This is my one word here. This is that the song of repentance that he sings right here. He acknowledges his sin, um, which means not only did he, he speak it out, out loud, but he really owned it. Listen to, listen to the, um, the possessive pronouns in here. I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. See how he has owned that now. He is like, this is mine. I, have, I am the one that is wrong. I'm the one that's done wrong. Um, Proverbs 28 says, He that covers sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces sin finds mercy. And that's what happened in the life of David. When he covered it, um, he found um, that he was miserable. But when he confessed it, he still experienced the consequences of those sins, but he found God's mercy. Hebrews 12.6 says, The Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone that he accepts as son. So there's discipline involved in our wrongdoing, and yet 
Uh, he is still our loving Father who shows us mercy. Um, so, going on to the next paragraph. Therefore, let all of the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. The last word there is the word I choose here, deliverance. Um, God shows his mercy by delivering. And so after the fact, after he's confessed and had this life experience of repentance and coming back and finding God's mercy, now he's able to say, I see God's deliverance. Surely God will deliver. Um, verse 6 again, he says, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you. Was David faithful? No, he was not. He sinned. He rebelled openly against the Lord in, in choosing adultery. And yet, um, the, the word here is not someone who has never been unfaithful. The word here is really for someone who has by faith experienced God's mercy and been forgiven. Our part in this paragraph here about deliverance is to pray. He says, let all the faithful pray. That's our action. God's action is to deliver. Um, this beautiful picture about surely the rising waters are not going to reach the one who has found God's mercy, who's been faithful to turn back to God. Uh, that's an apt picture to me. I know there are moments in my life when um, there are just rising waters coming in my life and I need God's rescue. And it's, it's beautiful to think that, that God knows where we are in those most difficult moments. I love in verse 7, the next phrase, you are my hiding place. I always look for uh, titles for God in the scripture or titles for Jesus. Um, I find those really useful in my prayer life. And, and it's definitely a, a thing that I've used to pray uh, when I speak to the Father to say, Lord, you are my hiding place. Uh, so that's a beautiful title for the Lord. He is our hiding place. You will protect me, he says, from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I love that picture. When the, when the, the floodwaters are rising in your life, he is your hiding place, and he surrounds you with songs of deliverance. In the middle of your trouble, he is your hope. He is the one that you know will deliver you. All right, here's the next paragraph. He says, I will instruct you. Now, by the way, the voice has changed here. Up until this point, the voice is the voice of David. But in verse 8 and following, it's now the voice of God. God speaks back in this psalm, and he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. All right, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, first of all, the word that I would use here is, is guidance, guidance. He says, I will instruct you, I will teach you, I will counsel you. I think that um, what the Father is saying to us and we need to, to hear and believe is that God wants to guide us. He wants to lead us in this life that he has given us. He wants to teach us. He wants to see us grow. I love how he says, I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Um, so he counsels us not as a, you know, as a standoff, objective third party. He counsels us as a loving father who is watching us with, with love. The very next psalm uh, kind of picks up that same idea in Psalm 33. He says, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. And so the eyes of your father are on you, and he wants to counsel you. He sees what is going on in your life, and he wants to counsel you. 
verse 9 is almost humorous to me. It really is. He says, don't be like the horse or the mule. This is the one time in the Bible when I when I wonder, hey, is, are they calling me names here? We act like mules in the sense that we are so um, reticent to come to the Father for this guidance, for this instruction. I find that in myself. I'm so um, self-determined, self-reliant that I don't often turn to the Father. And so the Father is saying to me, don't be like a mule, uh, which has no understanding. you got to put a bit in his mouth um, or he will not come to you. So um, here's this picture of the father. He, the, you put a bit in a bridle in the horse's mouth to lead him. And, and otherwise, the horse would never go to the good places or the mule would never go to the good places that the owner might have for him to find food, to find water or whatever. If he goes on his own path, he can't be shown the things that the owner wants him to see and to find. And he's not going to be useful. And so um, that's a picture of us. Uh, given our own way, we would, we would go far from the Father. And the Father says, don't, don't let me put a bit and bridle in your mouth to come to me. I'm your loving Father. I want to counsel you, teach you, and guide you. Don't let me put a bit and bridle in your mouth. All right, here's the last paragraph. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfaithful love surrounds the one who trusts him. Rejoice in the Lord. Be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. My, my word here is uh, love. Uh, this is just sounds like uh, the Father speaking love over us. Many of the, words, the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust in him. Uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful picture and a blessing to know that when I trust God, his, his love surrounds me. It's all around me. His part is to love here in this last uh, paragraph, and our part is to worship. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Be glad. Sing. For those of you who are in my choir, sing. S express your worship to him, uh, all of you who trust in him. Psalm 32, it's a great song. I hope that it's been a blessing to you as it is to me. Have a great week.